Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 140. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio today, we have another guest, Tim Connolly. How's it going, everybody? And so today, we're going to be discussing the documentary film, Transcendent Man, which follows futurologist, scientist, and inventor Ray Kurzweil. And as a starting point, I'd love to know what your overview of the film would be without spoiling certain details. Would you recommend people who have not seen it go watch it? Yeah, definitely. It was a good documentary, and I think it discusses a lot of important ideas. And whether or not you agree with Ray Kurzweil or the other people in the documentary, I think it brings up some interesting points and just stuff that we have to think about in general. But overall, the documentary kind of summed up the progression of technology and like where we're at and where we're going and the potential implications of artificial intelligence and where we're going in that respect. Personally, I didn't even know how advanced we really were, but a lot of the documentary spends time thinking about things that are going to happen in the future, basically projections from models. But I would definitely recommend it to anybody who's out there, whether you end up agreeing with any of the ideas or not. It's never a bad thing to expose yourself to some of these controversial ideas. Like, to be honest, I didn't agree with everything, but I think the best way to kind of challenge your own beliefs is see controversial views and see if yours can hold up afterwards. So yes, I would definitely recommend it to everybody. As would I, and I also did not agree with everything. To give a little bit more background about who he is, Ray Kurzweil is a genius in many respects. He invented a machine which could compose piano music at age 17. He has several patents in his name. He's a multimillionaire, and he has predicted trends primarily in information technology because of the linear or exponential growth, which he sees as very patterned. And that has allowed him to, with incredible accuracy, predict certain technologies or trends that would emerge. And his latest prediction being the singularity, which falls under various definitions for various talking heads in the documentary. But his definition is that the singularity describes a time when technological growth will be so rapid and its change so profound that human life will be irreversibly changed. There won't be a clear distinction between humans and machines. Another man said, I think the biggest implications of the singularity are that we don't know the implications of the singularity. And there were various points in the documentary, which we are going to spoil, so if you intend to see it, you should watch it, where concerns were brought to light about artificial intelligence's control over humanity as it develops because of technological improvements. And there have been sci-fi films, novels, and other media discussing this takeover of the human species for a long time. But many of these scientists, who are experts in their field, do contend that it's a very real possibility that humanity might become slave to these technologies and these artificial intelligences as a result of our merging with them. And there's a lot to say there, but before I go further, how does that strike you? Are you afraid of that? Do you think that is a likely possibility of the singularity, if in fact it comes to pass? And do you think there's reason there to pause in our progress of technology? So there was a bunch of different views that were brought up in the documentary, and they're all experts in their field, and they're very intelligent. Do I think it's likely that it'll happen? I can't say for sure, but I would say that it's an extreme scenario. He predicts this exponential growth curve to the point where technology is growing rapidly. It almost seems like growing out of control. The thing that kept popping into my head was that we have control over the kind of growth that we see in it, and we have control over how much we develop. And I would find it hard to believe that there wouldn't be warning signs ahead of this. I don't think it's a likely outcome, 
but I definitely think that it's a potential implication of the stuff we're doing. I wouldn't say that I'm afraid, though, and this could be just coming from a naive point of view where I own a computer. I'm never afraid that my laptop's going to come up and bite me, but I think that growth in technology has always been a good thing. A lot of what they talked about was growth in the nanotechnology industry. And they talked about how we could potentially solve a lot of disease in the future through nanotechnology and basically making humans, in an extreme case, immortal. I don't think exactly that that's going to happen. But if we can develop technology to help people better cope with the daily illnesses in their life and potentially life-threatening illnesses, I would say that the growth in technology is a good thing. And I don't think the singularity is a necessary conclusion. It doesn't have to be where we go. I mean, it was very controversial. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm really glad you bring up disease, and I'll come back to that, because Kurzweil throughout the documentary is depicted as someone who was highly sympathetic to his father, who passed away at age 58. In Kurzweil's opinion, a very tragic figure who died before his time, before he could truly realize his genius, or before others could realize it. And he talks at various points about bringing his father back and keeping him alive in his memories and also combining his mental knowledge with physical DNA and actually reviving his father. And I think that revival and rebirth are very troubling possibilities of technology like this if in fact it allowed us to bring back the dead. Because I would feel, even if the success rate was 100%, that the world is not meant for that. And maybe that's me being naive, as you've used the word before. And various talking heads in the documentary point out that this is evolution. This is where we are going to go. You either stand with it or you will be left behind. And evolution brings me back to disease and death. At one point, Kurzweil says, there's nothing good about disease and death as much as we try to ennoble it. And I do see his perspective that disease and death have been necessities for as long as humanity has existed. We have not solved them. And so as a result, we've stopped believing on some level that they are problems. We try to respond to them as best we can, but Kurzweil notes that most people make peace with death and find a way to be okay with it, which he sees as people kidding themselves. And I don't know that that sits well with me, because I think there are important limitations on life, and I don't know if it's our right to go beyond them. That said, I'm describing all these feelings of mine from a position of privilege. I've been relatively healthy my whole life. I've never suffered any terrible physical or medical loss. My family is all healthy. And I've had a very free and enjoyable life. And I recognize that someone who's suffering from terrible illness, chronic pain, etc. might say, we can't turn away from this. This could free me from all of my pain and physical constraints. And so it gets complicated there because I don't think it's my right to tell that person they can't have that. But one of the issues with the singularity that wasn't really discussed in the film is that I feel as though it would be less an aspect of evolution and more a product of a few elite minds telling an entire planet, not just certain countries, but everyone essentially, how we as a species are meant to evolve and progress. And I don't like the idea of a small number of people deciding the fates of many, even though human history has shown us that happens quite frequently, but not quite on this scale. And I would love to know what you think about that idea of forced evolution, essentially, because the interviewees in the film describe a number of troubling scenarios, including all-out war. Yeah, so I thought that there was a lot of controversial things, and bringing people back from the dead, specifically his father, was almost one of the scarier things. 
my initial reaction to bringing people back from the dead is I don't know if the world could sustain that. Granted, with an increase in technology, maybe we figure out a way to sustain a greater population. And I feel like bringing people back from the dead would induce what I might call an astronomical degree of narcissism. And you might say that narcissism is love with the self, but humanity being an entity of sorts in bringing back its dead, I think could become addicted to this idea of staying with the people you know and never ever letting anyone that you love go. And I'm not saying that death is easy or pleasant, but I do think on some level it is necessary to keep things moving and to rotate populations, so to speak, so that new faces get to experience Earth. And a large question that this documentary brought up for me is the idea of birth itself. If we can retrieve the dead and technologically live forever, would we need to or even want to introduce new lives to the planet? I think new life is almost a part of the human experience, and I think that new life would get introduced even if we could bring people back from the dead. Where I see it being problematic in that is that death isn't pleasant. It's exactly how you described it. It's not something that you wish upon anybody. It's not an experience that you want anybody to be even tangentially related to. But also I think it's almost a necessary part of the human experience. Like loss and hurt helps you grow as a human and it helps you grow as a person. I know in my experience, and this is just my experience, I learn the most about myself in times where I have experienced loss or hurt. And if we can eliminate all death from life, I'm a little bit scared about the implications of that. One, from an economics point of view, are there enough resources to sustain that kind of population? Is there space? But also, I think there's a lot to be said for like people going out of life, but you learning how to deal with it. And it doesn't always have to be death. Sometimes it's growing apart from a friend. There's loss in that too. And I think eliminating that part of the human experience could potentially be harmful to who we are as a species. Eliminating all hurt sounds nice, but I am afraid of some of the implications. As am I, and I wondered throughout the documentary if Kurzweil was solving and confronting his personal problems and concerns, or simply finding ways to circumvent them. And maybe that's what inventors do, and maybe they are ultimately one and the same, because you're getting past the problem whether you are avoiding it or tackling it head-on, fight or flight. But I've often thought, at least as it relates to death, because the singularity seems to promise a degree of immortality and that we will become part machine and increasingly more and more parts machine in contrast to our humanity. I've often thought that death is not only a necessary part of life, but it makes us appreciate life. There is limited time. In the same way that a year ago, you and I were seniors in college, that experience had to end, I would say, for us to appreciate that we had four years, and that's it. And afterwards, of course, we go on to be adults. But I would contend that you cannot or might have great difficulty appreciating something that is limitless. These limits allow us to conceptualize what we experience in very clear units and boxes and if we did not have any end, we might not have the same units in life. People might not remember their kindergarten experiences because they spent one out of thousands of years or hundreds of years in kindergarten, and you might not be expected to remember it. That said, the singularity and the technologies associated with it also sound as though they might be, according to scientists, capable of expanding our memory ad infinitum. We would remember everything because we could store all of that information in the cloud, on technology, on hard drives. 
and we might even have more than one body. We could cycle out of our human frames or our semi-human frames. But this idea of intellectual and informational connectivity especially fascinated me because some of these scientists predicted that we would all be connected to one another, that we could interface with the thoughts of those around us and those far away from us. We could communicate without words, only thoughts, and might genuinely understand one another because we could communicate so effectively and quickly. And while I'm all for connection, I believe we are all connected, I don't know that I like the idea of the human brain being less of a personal room and more of a public corridor or public square because I value my privacy of thought and maybe I wouldn't have the same concerns if I were part machine, but the idea that I would have no control over who could think and feel and experience my thoughts with or without my consent makes me feel a bit uneasy. What do you think about this idea of an internet of minds, so to speak? Well, just to speak quickly on a point that you made earlier, it brought up the scene to me where I think it was Ray was talking about how we could take on different bodies and we could be whoever we wanted to be, almost like in a virtual kind of world. That was scary to me. The most personal thing I think anyone can ever own is their own body. It's what you're born in. It's what you have your whole life. And I thought it was kind of scary to entertain the idea that people would be able to leave their body and be different bodies. Maybe not in a bad way does it scare me. I just think it's so advanced or so against everything that I've always thought that it really made me think. And that kind of scared me a little bit, but very interesting. And also a body is how you recognize another person. You might have the same thoughts in a body that looks like an old friend of mine. And I wouldn't call you Tim because you wouldn't look like what my brain associates with Tim which would fundamentally restructure how we think of identity. And I think the singularity would restructure how we think about a lot of things. I might almost say that my biggest concern with the singularity is how thoroughly it would affect every aspect of our lives, essentially. I completely agree with that. I recognize people on a daily basis. I'm walking down the street. I see you. You've got your beard. And I notice that that's Kip. And maybe it's a more genuine kind of getting to know someone if it's really just their ideas that you see. But I don't think it's a bad part of identity to own a body. I don't think that is problematic at all. But there's also the counter argument from those less fortunate than us that their bodies are not as capable as ours might be. Or if they are suffering from disease, that the body they have might be identifiable, but it is terribly painful for them to live within it. So this continues to be a very complicated set of ideas that Kurzweil and others bring up. Yeah, it's tough from almost every angle. It's definitely not a black and white thing. It's not really something that you can take or I would think that you can't take a black or white stance on. I think it offers the people who have been involved in unfortunate accidents the opportunity to experience life in a fully capable body, which is something that you and I have both been very blessed to have. But to go back to your point on the Internet of Minds and what I think about that, I think two things kind of that come to mind primarily is I think that it could be extremely efficient, referring to Kurzweil's exponential growth curve. If your ideas and my ideas were connected right now and I could understand completely what you mean, I think that it would increase the efficiency of making new medicine, new technology. So from that standpoint, it sounds like a cool idea. But to tackle like the privacy standpoint, your mind is basically the most private thing. No one can really infiltrate it. It's yours, everything you're thinking throughout a day. Only you really know that unless you share it with someone else. 
and to have other people readily connected to that is kind of a scary kind of premise because it is so private. It's your feelings, your emotions. And I know some people are very good with just wearing their emotions on a sleeve and are completely okay with just having their thoughts out there. But I think there is something to be said to have a place to go and retreat to in your thoughts especially if you haven't really developed an idea. I don't know if I'd like to have people infiltrating my mind and just seeing what I'm thinking about on a daily basis. Not that it's controversial or weird. It probably is weird, but it's a private spot and I enjoy being able at the end of the day to retreat back to my thoughts. I think we all appreciate that privilege. And at various points in the documentary, potential disagreements with religion are brought up because Kurzweil suggests that with exponentially increasing capabilities and technology, we are not becoming God, but we are becoming ever closer to that infinite potential. We are becoming God-like, which struck me as very profound. And I remember thinking about the Bible and other religious texts, which many people believe were written by omniscient beings, by God, for humanity to guide us in our fallibility. But if the singularity comes to pass, I think it's just as likely that we might consider such religious texts to have been written by people to gods in the future who may be part human and part machine in an effort to warn them about the dangers of omnipotence. And I think we would see a paradigm shift in how we analyze those texts because the audience would have changed and therefore the quote-unquote protagonists or the intended recipients of those messages would also have shifted in a way that I don't know people could have predicted. Do you think we risk becoming godlike if we pursue these technologies? And do you personally have qualms and issues with those possibilities? Yeah, I mean, some of the speakers talked about how we would be kind of unleashing the god within us, and it would be us realizing that maybe we were the gods, and it would be an extreme paradigm shift. For thousands of years, I know that many people have read the Bible as us attempting to follow those rules prescribed by the Bible because we believe that it's been given to us by a higher power. If we get closer to the singularity and it comes to pass that we become these godlike figures, I think that that could be scary. Something that kind of kept popping into my head throughout like this whole discussion about God and if we were to become more godlike and omnipotent, basically, is what are like the problems that are going to pop up for us? I think it's almost kind of like people who were living at zero BC, just to take an extreme time, could never have probably fathomed the problem of global warming. Part of me can't even fathom what the problems of the singularity might be and the problems of becoming an omnipotent being. Like It seems so far out there. I have no experience even close to that to try to even parallel it. If humans do realize a godlike potential, it would cause some unforeseen problems that I can't even begin to like explain. Well, as a final and perhaps related question, Kurzweil talks about nanotechnology and nanobots, which we could disperse across our planet and therefore have information about rocks, plants, everything, because nanotechnology would be present in all of these regions of our globe. And then goes on to say that we could also scatter such technology into our universe and it would expand and allow us to connect and control the various other parts of our galaxy, which made me very sad because I believe 
there is other life out there, whether it is intelligent or sentient, I think there is life beyond Earth. And I find it troubling to think that we as people are so entitled in our belief of superiority or unique privilege that the technology we create and by extension we have the right to expand into the universe. And at what point might we consider that an unfair infection? from a species like ourselves, because we often conceive of infections as being small parasitic pathogens that enter larger bodies. But similarly, human beings, at least in scale, could be compared to pathogens in relation to the scope of the universe, especially if we began to behave this way. And I have a clear bias against that, because even though I love and treasure humanity, I do think we should recognize certain limits and that if we did not, at least in my contention, we might be expanding into these spaces and lives of other beings in the universe in an unfair way, not allowing them to develop, which could also be described as an artifact of evolution. And I recognize that evolution is not always fair and does exclude certain beings. But what do you think about this idea of nanotechnology allowing us to colonize the universe, for lack of a better phrase? I think it's very interesting. I think that it would be very cool to be able to use nanotechnology to see and find other beings, whether they're sentient, like whether they're as developed as us or more developed than us. I think that it's an interesting concept. The problem comes when we try to control them. If we know of their existence, I would say that's almost okay. If through nanotechnology, we're able to find on a different planet, a different species, and we just let them be and we understand that they're there, I think that that is completely okay. I think that is actually an exciting prospect that we could find other planets to maybe one day inhabit if the conditions allow it. My problem is when it becomes colonization. Just as you said, evolution isn't always the nicest and it hasn't been the kindest to species who Homo sapiens have beaten out. But I would argue almost that we've gotten to a place where we don't have to force evolution upon anybody which is in disagreement with some of the speakers in the film who say this singularity is going to be evolution. And just like the Cambrian explosion thousands of years ago, it will force and bring into existence new forms and shapes of life that are in some ways destined to exist. Definitely. They talk a lot about how technology is going to bring about a huge amount of evolution. Part of me thought, how true is that? I think there'll be a lot of change. I don't know how much evolution in terms of humans becoming a different type of human, not like the same way that Neanderthals became Homo sapiens or the logical progression. I probably should read up more on it, but how humans progress. I don't think it's going to be evolution in that way because it seems like we're using our technology to make us into something different, not to evolve because I feel like evolve would mean through a process of natural selection, we became bigger, better, smarter, stronger. But this is really just a change for the whole human race to introduce maybe nanobots into our blood, make our memory and our lives as infinite as we want them to be. In a way, it doesn't seem like evolution to me. It seems that we're becoming like cyborgs or something. And maybe that is evolution. And like just because I think that doesn't mean that anybody else does. But it almost feels like we're becoming something different, but not evolving that way. And before we close this episode, I'd love to know what you would like the audience to think about after listening to this conversation. I'd like them just to think about the potential that technology gives us, the good and the bad. 
how it can solve disease, how it could make us immortal. But don't take those just at face value and say, immortality sounds like a good thing, so I want it. Think about what that could mean for the entire race, what that could mean for the planet. Have your own thoughts on it and think about it from all standpoints. It's a tough question. I mean, I think we could sit here for multiple hours of a day and we wouldn't even scratch the surface. I agree. And of course, we would encourage listeners to watch the film so you can appreciate some of the points that Tim and I have tried to discuss. But of course, we couldn't get to everything because it is a lengthy documentary that is packed with ideas, questions, doubts, and reflections on our species and our world. I would like the audience to think about limits and how we break them if we are allowed to break certain limits, if we think we should, or if there are boundaries or forbidden areas that we should not touch. And I would also like people to think about superiority, what it means to be superior, how we interact with beings like insects that we might perceive to be inferior, and what our relationship is with all of the beings and life on our planet and in our universe because issues like the singularity might force us to rethink those relationships and may fundamentally change how we interact and think about everything, which in and of itself is wild. But Tim, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on. It was great to discuss this with you. Thank you, Kip. Thanks for bringing me on. I hope everybody at home enjoyed my guest appearance and I hope that I could get you guys thinking a little bit. I know Kip always does. You flatter me there. But as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. So if you have any feedback, opinions, or input of any kind, please reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. And you can connect with us via Twitter or Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to as well as reviewing the show and sharing it with someone you think might enjoy it or get something out of it. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.